1: Welcome to Money Sense, I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. Ellenbecker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank building. We also have a location in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank building, right across the street from Winkies. And we're very fortunate to be able to service clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. So if you'd like to learn more about any of our locations, or if you'd like to put a voice with a name and a face, You can visit EllenBecker.com for more details. I'm excited to speak with our guest today because we're going to have a lot of ground to cover. Um, You will hear from Amy Krieghoff, and she is a realtor and also the leader of the Amy Krieghoff team with First Weber. And we're going to talk a lot about real estate, but not just your traditional "What is the real estate market doing these days?" We're really going to dig into how real estate fits into your financial plan. And what does it look like when you start to evaluate if you want to downsize or upsize? Or I guess now it's called right sizing. Um, And then once you make that decision, how do you prepare both emotionally but also tactically to sell your home? We want to talk about what to look for when you're trying to partner with someone who can, can help you make that next step. And then, of course, we will save time to talk about the market because anytime we can get an expert in front of us to share some information, uh, we want to take advantage of that. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I look forward to introducing you to Amy. She's been on the show before many years ago, and we've known each other for a very long time. And so it's going to be fun for me to be able to connect on this topic as well. So we will be back after a short break. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And my guest today is Amy Krieghoff. She is a realtor and also the leader of the Amy Krieghoff team with First Weber. And Amy and I have known each other for a long time. We've had an opportunity to work together and have shared many experiences through mutual clients and other situations over the years. So Amy, welcome. Thank you. Nice to see you, Julie. Yes, I'm glad you're here today because, you know, it's so interesting as we have gone through year 2020 and now 2021, we are getting a lot of questions about real estate and anybody who has tried to buy a home or real estate in the last couple of years or sell a piece of real estate in the last couple of years has been able to witness that it's a really unique time. And, you know, we always want to try to evaluate what's going on in the, in the real estate market, but as whole person financial planners, you know, we do this planning all the time. People are always buying and selling homes and it doesn't always relate to what's happening economically. And so I want to start out by talking about downsizing in general, but I mentioned before the break, I guess the new term that that I've been using is right sizing because it's not always downsizing or upsizing, it's kind of trying to figure out what makes sense for you. And and I've even just had this conversation with my husband recently, as I just became a a true empty nester, is what does it look like? And and what do we want in a home um, when it comes to making those change decisions? So what are your thoughts around downsizing? And and what does that look like for some of the clients you've worked with recently?
0: Sure. Well, you mentioned 2020, and uh, it certainly was in real estate, sort of the wild, wild west going on. Um, a lot of people found out after spending months in quarantine with their family, with you know maybe both spouses at home working and kids doing Zoom uh, classes for school, that they needed a larger space to live in. So last year and even into this year, we're seeing a lot of people and you said right space but you know upsizing or right sizing i think you said uh upsizing into a larger home or just a home with a different type of floor plan so that's one thing that's been going on that sort of created this uh this this sort of crazy market that we're that we're in and also of course constantly people are looking for opportunities to downsize uh maybe from a house into a condo or Maybe somebody has realized that since they can work remotely and don't need to be close to a place of business anymore, they can finally move an hour out of the, out of the city and, and finally buy that lake home that they've always wanted. So all different sorts of things have cropped up just really in the last year and a half as we've moved through this crazy pandemic world that we're in now. And then you had interest
1: rates on top of it and, and the opportunity to borrow money at a, at a low price, I think, has motivated people to make some adjustments as well.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the rates right now are still really historically low. Uh, I would say the last five years, the rates have have been terrific. They fluctuate a little bit. But if you are a person with a decent credit score and uh, want to buy a house, chances are you'll be able to get a very attractive interest rate and be able to do that, which raises a great point. It's in many cases more affordable to own a home than it is to continue paying rent. You know, it's the whole why rent when you can actually own a home, which goes hand in hand with um, building your equity and, and being financially stable.
1: And if you ask my kids, what they like best about it is they get to paint the rooms the the color they want.
0: <laughs> uh, right.
1: So there big, you go. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the big conversation in our house about owning versus renting. So, <laughs> um, so, so downsizing, you know, and, and right sizing. There's a lot, as you brought up, a lot of reasons why somebody would choose to do it. And we focused a little bit on you know some of the new nuances that have taken place in the last year or two. But there are other reasons too. You know, retiring relocating, maybe wanting to simplify your life so you can be a snowbird somewhere else. And mm-hmm. one of the other things that we've spent a lot of time talking about, um, even most recently, is just the aging population and, and you know, people transitioning from their home either because they're going into a community that is uh, more able to, you know, meet their needs or, you know, the younger generation having to step in and take care of their parents' home after losing losing a parent. So, you know, a little bit about that, because I know that's something that while you created the Amy Krieghoff team, you know, you've really not just looked at your role in the community as real estate only. You've kind of expanded similar to how we do it at Allenbecker, is take that whole person approach.
0: Sure. Absolutely. So good points. As far as the aging population, uh, there's a group of people that are trying to age in place where they're staying in their home as long as they possibly can. And then due to unfortunate circumstances, maybe one spouse has passed away, or maybe a widow has been living in their home for a while, and now it's time to move on into an assisted living situation. But they're moving out of a home that they've been living in for 30, 40, 50 years, and have 30, 40, or 50 years worth of accumulation, furniture, um, just everything you can imagine, and people oftentimes are really stumped. Like, how do we do this? I get a lot of phone calls from people. Okay. We have our home that my parents have moved out of now for various different reasons. And we don't know where to begin. What do we do? And I go out to the home and I walk through it and see that there really is 30, 40 or 50 years worth of accumulation in the house. And there's very, there's a lot of steps to take in order to get a home ready to bring to market. You know, I mean, it, we talk a lot about how it's a seller's market, but that still doesn't mean that the house doesn't need to be in a good presentable fashion. And so we have been able to take steps to bring people in to help the sellers, oftentimes the children of the, of the parents uh, that are selling the home, help them to clear out the house. Uh, we work with several different companies that can come in and walk through and take inventory and determine what items have value, what items need to just be junked. And then they come with their trucks and they clear out the house and then they leave us sort of a blank slate and then we can start to do the things we need to do. And when I say we, it's, it's my team. Um, I work with my husband, Rob Krieghoff. I work with Lisa Grimal and also Stephanie Herkowski and the four of us will will go into a property and roll up our sleeves we will bring in painters we'll bring in flooring people if if carpeting is just beyond cleaning we'll sometimes need to tear out and do all new flooring upgrade light fixtures just you know freshen the house a little bit to make it more presentable and then staging bringing a little bit of a you know an artistic flair to the house make the home look like anybody could walk in and, and envision their own family living there as opposed to looking like it was a home that somebody lived in for 50 years. And so there's a lot of different things that go into the process. You know, the thing is, is there's so many opportunities
1: for people to to make these transitions. And as a, as an adult with parents, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of transitions that need to be considered. And when I look at our clients, a lot of our clients are, in this sandwich generation where you know like myself I've got parents and yet I've also got my children that I'm trying to launch. And and so the idea of helping a parent downsize out of a house can be really overwhelming. And I think it prevents people from making that first that first move. And, and that's one of the things that I always encourage our clients to do if they're thinking about transitioning out of a home is to reach out to a realtor reach out to two or three, talk to people, and, and try to identify what that process looks like. It's the same thing when somebody is seeking out a financial planner or a physician. You know, you don't have to wait until the emergency or the transition presents itself to start building those relationships. And I know right. we're gonna spend some time talking about, you know, how you how you go about and, and do that exercise, The big thing, you know, as we've talked about right sizing and started to talk about how to prepare your home to sell, I think understanding the population that, that you're working with is really important. And I know that that's helpful for our clients to have somebody who is aware of all the services out there and working with a team. So talk a little bit about once you decide that you are going to right size, whether it's a young family looking for something bigger or, you know, adult children helping their parents move out of their home. What's the first thing you do? How do you prepare that that home for right-sizing?
0: What are the first steps we take with the client to get their home ready to sell? Sure. Or, or as a client, what should what should, if I decide, yes, I'm going to transition out of my home, what would be my first step? Sure, okay. First and foremost, start thinking what condition is my home in? How much furniture do I have in my house? How much clutter do I have? If in fact I'm downsizing, what is my new home gonna look like? Do I have room for my four-bedroom finished basement house to all fit in my little two-bedroom, two-bathroom condo. Make some decisions early on. Start to minimize some of your belongings. um, Potentially start packing some things up. I've had clients that rent pods and start packing up and moving things into a pod, which is twofold. It helps so that when you do transition into your new home, you already are halfway packed. And then secondly, it helps to clear out your home and so that we can come in and take pictures and, and, and show the space and show how big and lovely the home is instead of a house that's packed full of furniture.
1: Yeah, and I know one of the things that I've had some clients say to me before is I do one drawer a day or I do one room a week because sure. the task can be so overwhelming. Absolutely. And, and even now there's times where if I have room on the weekends, I'm like, I'm going to do one drawer or I'm going to do one closet. And of course it always turns into a much bigger project. And I've had of to course. convince my husband that things get way messier before they get neater. But
0: Well, and it's amazing how much you can get accomplished in a short amount of time when all of a sudden it's crunch time. You know, hey. if you are if you are an individual thinking about making a transition and you're just casually looking at the market, you never know when something might pop up that you really have interest in. And then all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I have to downsize. I have to get ready for this big move. And then and then it's really important to have a team of people that you can work with that you trust that you've got some rapport with that you have confidence in. So that goes to your point of reaching out and interviewing a couple of agents, ask your friends, ask your neighbors, ask your coworkers, who have you used for your recent real estate transactions, jump online. There's so much information out there on Google, which is exciting and scary all at the same time. But you know, take a look on Zillow, see who the number one or two or three agents are in Brookfield, for example, and pick up the phone and call a few people and see what kind of services they can offer you. And I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about that too with the full service brokerage versus the um, discount brokers or or limited service brokerages and what you get with each. Yeah, let's take a quick break, Amy, and then we'll come back and we will talk
1: about um, once you've decided that you want to make a move and you've started to prepare, Um, one of the first steps is going to be choosing an agent and and there's a lot of things that people think about can I do it on my own Um, do I pick a discount broker do I pick a full service what's the difference Uh, and so we'll talk about that after the break and try to provide some clarity at least on what the differences are and what the options are available to, to sellers so we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense, I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. Ellenbecker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee. We are just east of Highway 164 in Capitol Drive. We also have an office in the village of Whitefish Bay and uh, Bonita Springs, Florida. So if you'd like to learn more about Ellenbecker Investment Group, check out our webpage at ellenbecker.com. You can take tours of our office space. You can put a face with a voice And you can learn a lot more about our services in general. You can also look at our past newsletters and we like to put a lot of great information in there Um, as well as if you like this recording of this show, or you think that somebody else, you know, may enjoy listening to uh, what we have to share today. You can find recordings of all of the podcasts and the ability to share them with other people on our webpage as well. So, Again, that's ellenbecker.com. Check it out. Check out some of the events we have coming up. Um, and if you'd like to schedule time to talk with an advisor here, you can do that right through the webpage as well. Um, my guest today is Amy Krieghoff, and I've known Amy for a long time. She is a realtor as well as the leader of the Amy Krieghoff team. We talked a little bit about that team before the break, um, and she is uh, represents First Weber. So um, we're getting some good information. We talked a little bit about downsizing and right sizing um and, and how to prepare your home to sell. But one of the things, Amy, that we started talking about, and I think is really important for people to as they're kind of working through this landscape and as they've made the decision to potentially make a change, how do you pick an agent? Do you even need an agent? I mean, in today's market, you know, houses are selling without anything. It's and and with Facebook and Zillow and All of that I've had people ask me many times, do you need an agent? And and you know what, if you do select an agent, what can you expect from that agent? Because I do think the landscape has changed. It's not the way it was five or 10 years ago. So agents like yourself have really differentiated and and started to bring value in other areas. So spend some time talking about, you know, what it means to have an agent, what you should look for when you are interviewing agents, and what expectations can you have? Sure,
0: sure. Great topic. It's one that I could probably talk about 10 straight hours about, so I promise I won't do that right now, but I guess some of the key highlights, um, there are a lot of different types of brokerages out there and real estate agents. There's full-service brokerages, there's discount brokers, there's limited service brokers, and with each type of brokerage and each type of real estate agent, you really do get a, a different menu of services, if you will, I work for First Weber. It's a company that I started with years ago when I first got in the business and I'm very much a full service kind of gal. I like all of the tools that I am able to bring to my sellers and also my buyers when I'm representing them throughout a real estate transaction. With full service, you get an agent that will come to you and represent you and be your real estate advocate from the very beginning of your relationship all the way through every step of the way. And even once the transaction has closed beyond and, and, and then some. As a full service team, we we bring all the services right to the, the client. We help them strategize and come up with the very best price to list their house for. In the case of if it's a, a listing, do you need a real estate agent? Well, there's a lot of people out there that definitely do this as a for sale by owner. There is a lot of research that shows that if you use a full-time real estate agent to help you sell your home, you will make a markedly higher percentage on the sale price. Because we have all the resources, we have all the tools, we bring all the knowledge to you, the seller. We will help you do all the right things to get your home ready to sell so that you can get the highest price possible for your home in the shortest amount of time. And a lot of times we'll see people that decide to list for sale by owner because right, it's, it's a crazy seller's market, it must be easy, I can do this by myself. And sure, sometimes finding a buyer for your home can be easy, quite honestly, that's the easiest part of what we do. But it's then all of the things that happen behind the scenes from that point in time, getting to a successful closing, that is where your real estate agent really does come into play and, and earns, their, earns their paycheck, so to speak. So there are so many different uh, steps along the way and pieces that are involved in a real estate transaction. And if you're working with a full service real estate agent, they're the ones that take on all of that responsibility for you. We're the ones that, that communicate with the buyer's agent and the inspectors and the appraisers and all of the millions of things that can come up during the course of that transaction. As a for sale by owner, you've got nobody representing you. You're on your own. So back to the wild, wild west. And in addition to that, if, if you're a person that decides to sell your home for sale by owner, there is a good chance that a buyer's agent is going to bring the buyer to your house. So now you are in a situation where there is a buyer for your home, they're represented by a real estate agent, but you still are on your own with nobody looking out for your best interests. And that's where things can get dicey.
1: Yeah. So, so what are the differences between, um, you know, using a, a, large firm, using an independent agent and, and how do the costs compare?
0: Sure. That's a great question. There are all different types of pricing structures out there, so I wouldn't be able to really touch on any specifics with the pricing. Um, Certainly discount brokers, the name implies, they're going to charge a smaller fee to the seller to, to list their home, but oftentimes you're not getting this full menu of services. So is the discount broker going to hire professional photography? and take beautiful pictures of your home, take videos, take you know maybe some 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 aerial photography or are they going to snap a few pictures on their cell phone. We've all seen those pictures of somebody taking a picture of a bathroom and you can see them in the reflection of the mirror. Oops. So, you know, professional photography is certainly a big part of it. Signage. First Weber has the big orange signs, the big orange yard signs. They're they're sort of iconic around here and it makes a difference. We make sure that we list your home in MLS and all of the 50 or 60 some odd real estate websites out there that are available. Are you getting all of those things with a discount broker? As a full service agent, we make sure that the buyers that are coming into your home are pre-qualified. We'll call in advance and make sure that they are working with an agent and they have a a pre-approval letter in hand already. Um, Some of the discount brokers aren't equipped to have some of that, some of those tools and, and the extra time it takes to do so. And I guess the way I can sort of explain it best is a discount broker model is designed to list as many houses as possible. That's, that's their business model. They list as many houses as possible because they're, they're earning a smaller amount of money on each one. So what happens is they don't have the same amount of time and detail for each one of their many, many listings versus a full service brokerage. We list a lot of houses. The Amy Kriegoff team has been very fortunate this year and have worked with amazing clients, but we also have the resources and the time to give the full menu of services to each and every, every listing. So I think, you know, those are some of the, the, the biggest differences as far as pricing goes, Julie, that's, that's a tricky one. um, because, some things are negotiable, some things are not, but I know that there are um, some, some brokerages that may just charge a flat fee just to list the house, but they're still going to be paying the buyer's agent that brings the buyer to their house. Whereas with a full service brokerage, it, there's a listing fee and a, and a seller fee, if you will.
1: And I think the big thing is for our listeners and I, and I coach our clients on this too. When you decide that you want to choose a realtor to help you sell your home, you know, I encourage people to talk with multiple people, get in front of them because just like anything, it becomes um, a better experience when you find somebody who's a good culture fit. And so interviewing two or three realtors, I think is a good exercise. It's worth your time. You know, sometimes I think people, um, you know, get really preoccupied with the amount of time a process takes, and I always encourage, even when you're searching financial advisors, go and talk to a couple of different people. See where you feel good. See where you feel like that person is going to be a good culture fit for you. Because, you know, that's this is going to be a process. Right now, we've sort of said it's been a seller's market, so the process might might go much quicker than it will in different markets. But regardless of Um, Of your personal situation, it's going to be a process. And so you want to select somebody that you feel has your best interests in mind, somebody who culturally is going to be aligned with how you want to go through the process and somebody that you trust, because this is, this is a, a big, it's a big process, no matter where you, where you fall in it. So I think meeting with, with many different people. And as we talk about fees, I think it brings up transparency. And that's the big thing is to don't be afraid to ask questions. What is this cost? Um, what are the fees associated with it? What can I expect in return? Because ultimately, as consumers, we want you to feel confident in your decision. And we want you to understand because I think that's the, the most important piece. Once you make the decision, it's important to, uh, you know, then go through the process and stick with the person that you selected. And and really stay invested in that. So don't be afraid to interview a couple different individuals. Don't be afraid to ask about transparency and fees, because I think that that, that is really, really important. When we, we've we mentioned Amy a couple of times, it's a seller's market, I, I hedge back and forth. It's been a seller's market or it's gonna to continue to be a seller's market. And, you know, just like anything, there's always people buying homes and there's always people selling homes. And um, I've had a lot of individuals ask me, Recently, if I think this is a big real estate bubble and if we should be concerned about the real estate market and of course, being an an investment professional, I hear a lot of times, should we worry about what happened in 2008 and 2009 um, where the real estate market really did experience a collapse? And one thing I would say to that is that ultimately the climate is very, very different now. Lending practices are far better today than they were in 2008 and 9. So I would not expect that the real estate market is going to completely tumble and have to be um, reimagined like it was in 2009. And I do, on top of that, really believe that. You know, There's a lot of opportunity for real estate to still be an important part of everybody's financial plan, whether it's the real estate that you live in day to day or it's investment real estate. So that being said, it being a seller's market or a buyer's market, I think we still have a lot of stability and opportunity in real estate. Uh, what I am noticing, though, is houses are staying on the market just a little bit longer. They're actually getting an opportunity to put an offer in for people. <laughs> right, right. Um, What are you seeing in the, the real estate market?
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you just said. I don't think we'll, we'll see anything like what we did in 2008. It's, it's, the lending practices are so much better and smarter, um, and even even just real estate itself. I, I never sell a house to a client without feeling confident that I will be able to resell that house for them one, two, or three years from now if their circumstances change, and, and that happens a lot. It is still a seller's market, But things are definitely tapering off a little bit and starting to level out. And quite frankly, we need them to. This needs to be a healthy market so that buyers and sellers alike can feel confident as they move through the process and upsize, downsize, move out of the area, move into the area, whatever the case may be. Um, Houses are sitting on the market maybe a little bit longer. And yet, if it's a well-priced house, which is, again, I have to touch on that, the most important thing. And that really does come from a real estate agent looking at all the comps and getting a feel for the market, coming in with the best price and the best strategy possible. If it's a house in a good in a good location, in good condition, priced correctly, we're still seeing multiple offers. Uh, one of the things that we have talked about before is you know this waiving of some of these home, uh, some of the contingencies. Are people still buying homes without inspections, without appraisals? You know, we're still seeing some of that, um, which is scary, I know. But also, this is the market that we're in. It's not that we don't have enough inventory. I really think it's just that we have so many people looking to buy right now because of the interest rates and because people are smart and they, they recognize that real estate's a good investment. There's so many people looking to buy right now. We just don't have enough inventory to support that. But absolutely, it's still a seller's market. We anticipate going into next year, more of the same uh, with, with you know some corrections here and there along the way. Julie, I want to just circle back real quick on, on something you were mentioning prior to this about choosing your real estate agent and interviewing two or three. And absolutely, I think that's a great idea. Every time that we go out and meet with a new client, whether it's somebody that's wanting to talk to us about selling their home or somebody that reaches out to us that they're looking to purchase a home, we always have an initial meeting and we make sure that we all think that we're a good fit to work together moving forward. Communication and um, rapport and all of those things are so critically important because as you said, we're going to be working together for a while. And if we just don't think that we click or, or we're not a good fit and we can't all be all things for everybody, sometimes, you know, it doesn't work out. And you're only doing yourself a service by talking to a, at least a couple, three agents to make sure that this agent does have the tools and the things that you are looking for. Communication is, is hugely important. It's how I sort of have built my practice. That's the cornerstone of everything that I do. And that comes from my previous career and some of the uh, earlier transactions that I had with some other agents, clients, buyers. Communication is so incredibly important, especially in today's day and age with everybody with their cell phones and text messages and phone calls and emails. And how do you get back to people quickly and give them the information that they're looking for? And so- that is something that we always talk about at the very beginning of, of anything that we do as a team and really as a company is communication, number one, most important. Yeah, I would agree. And, and that's with everything in life, right? Absolutely. Um, and if you call for an uh,
1: interview with a new agent, and you don't get a call back in a couple of days. Um, that's sort of your indication that, that they may not be able to uh, dedicate the time you're looking uh, for Absolutely. Meeting going forward. So. Good, Amy, let's take a break. And we've talked a lot about, you know, selling a home, right sizing and and seller's markets. Let's just spend the last segment of this show talking a little bit about what it's like for a buyer right now, because I have a lot of clients who are asking about real estate in general. And and as you said, the inventory is low. So let's talk briefly about what it's like to be a buyer in today's today's market. So with that, we'll be right back and we will um, reconnect here soon. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And today I'm talking with Amy Krieghoff. She is a realtor and the leader of the Amy Krieghoff team with First Weber. And we've spent some time just talking about kind of the real estate market and what it looks like to sell something in today's um, day and age. And, you know, I know that I've been speaking with a lot of clients recently on um, people who want to find real estate. And it's really difficult. Not only is the inventory low, but the offers that are coming in, you alluded to earlier, it's like cash offers with no inspections and no contingencies. And that can be really frustrating for people who want to buy a property, but also want to do it in a way that that makes sense for them financially. got a huge population of younger individuals who want to get into their first home and just haven't been able to do it. So. I'd like to hear from you, Amy, your perspective on people who are looking to buy real estate, whether it's your first home and you're just trying to get into real estate for the first time, or maybe you're looking for some rental property or lake property. What really should people be doing through this process? I know one thing I coach my clients on and my kids is patience, patience, Um, But that's, that's not always easy, you know, what advice advice do you have for our buyers out there?
0: Sure. Oh my gosh. That's a great, that's a great uh, segue into how to buy real estate in a seller's market. And this year has been really like no other, when it comes to that, there's a bunch of things to do to really get ready. So as a buyer, the, the first thing you really should do is talk to your lender a mortgage broker, a banker, if you don't have one, that's something you definitely should, should rely on your real estate agent to provide you. As buyers agents, we work with the best mortgage lenders in the area that we can refer to you. You need to talk to that person and make sure that you are in a poised position to write a very strong offer on your new purchase. So what does that mean? What does your credit score look like? So good lenders can help you if your credit score is not strong enough, they can help you take steps to do things in a short amount of time, 30 days, they can help you to improve your credit. Um, they'll help you get a realistic look at how much of a home can you afford, how much, how much of a home should you afford. They will help you to get pre-qualified And in in the form of an actual letter that they will give to you, the buyer, that you will need when it is time to write an offer on that house. So I always tell clients, the very first thing you need to do is talk to a lender, get pre-approved, go through that process. Quite frankly, if you're working with, if I'm working with a client and they're not pre-approved yet, then I really shouldn't even be taking them through anybody's homes just yet, because Again, in a seller's market, when there's multiple showings and multiple buyers trying to trying to buy a house, we really can't take time out of that busy schedule of that seller with a buyer that's you know, maybe just kicking tires. This is not really a tire-kicking market. That's what Sunday open houses are for, I guess. Um, so first and foremost, work with a good lender. Ask your real estate agent for a list of lenders that you can interview, just like you interview your agents. Find one that you feel confident in, talk to them about how they work, what kind of interest rates they've got available, what their closing costs look like, and get ready to do that. Then next, go start to look at homes and have a realistic expectation of what you're going to be able to buy for the amount that you have been pre-approved for. So if you're pre-approved for a $300,000 house, Don't go looking at $500,000 houses thinking that, you know, there's wiggle room on the price because that does not exist right now either. And again, working with a really good real estate agent that can provide you listings that are are available that fall within the budget that that you have to work with is really important. A good real estate agent should be able to search delayed status listings, um, talk to their office mates to find out about listings that are coming that maybe aren't even on the market yet. And these are sort of some of the inside things that your real estate state agent can do to help you get a jumpstart and, and buy a home with maybe not as much competition. But then what do you do if you find the perfect house and you want to write an offer and your agent communicates with the listing agent and you find out that there's 15 other offers on the house? And certainly we are still seeing that down from maybe the 25 offers that we were seeing earlier this year. Um, the pool of buyers is you know, starting to reduce a little bit. But then, again, working with a really strong real estate agent that knows some of the tricks of the trade, things that you can do to make your offer really stand out. And really, that just comes from working with an experienced agent that has some good connections in the market, that knows the other agents, that knows how to position your offer as better than than any of the others. And that's where really experience does come into play. Um, patience, as you mentioned, I would say where patience applies in this particular industry is having patience because you may not get the first or second house that you try to get. And it's sad and it can be heartbreaking, but I always like to say, if we didn't get this one, it's because the one that's coming next is the one that was meant to be. And you do have to have some patience in, in that regard. Um, but knowing how to write a winning offer, when do you need to waive a contingency? You know, have you walked through the house and is it in beautiful condition? Is it is it new or are all the mechanicals and the roof updated? And maybe you could you could forego an inspection. Not that I'm ever gonna recommend it, but maybe that is something that you you might consider. You know, do you need to write over the list price to get the house? How much over the list price? What does that look like? And every every circumstance is is different every circumstance is different and I think that's the
1: the hardest part where you do need to rely on the experience of the realtor who's helping you through that process um I've heard you know of course people are writing notes and love letters to the sellers and waving all of these contingencies and it it can be frustrating but the big thing is having patience um like you said if you don't get the first house or if you need to continue to look for a while you also have to be ready to move fast um, when you do find something you want, because it's not like before where you could go see it on a Saturday and then go see it the following Saturday with your parents, right? I mean, that's why I bought my first house. I saw it six times before I bought it. It's not, That's not how it works. So patience if it doesn't work out the way you want and to trust in the process, but also lining up that lender ahead of time, making sure you've got all your ducks in a row so that when you see the property you want, you can make a move pretty quickly. So You're ready go. Amy, thank you so much for, for speaking with us today. And you know, a lot of really good information. If anybody would like more information um, on Amy or would like to get a hold of Amy, you could certainly check out our webpage at allenbecker.com. You can give us a call. Um, you know, we have all of Amy's information. Amy, you could share your email address or your phone number real quick with our listeners.
0: Sure. Absolutely. And thank you, Julie. Thanks for the opportunity to talk with you and your listeners today. I can be reached anytime at 414-305-3946. You can text me or call me at that phone number. And then you can check out my website at amykriegoffteam.firstweber.com And my email address is at firstweber.com. You could just Google my name too; that would probably work. But find you if if somebody's interested in learning more, they can they can certainly check out
1: EllenBecker.com or or seek out um, seek you out that way. But you know, thank you very much, and and certainly I appreciate the conversation. It's a rapidly changing environment, so I'm sure uh, we will be having a conversation again in in the short term. And for our listeners, please remember that Money Sense airs on Saturdays from two to three, and on Sundays from twelve to one. If you liked our show today, check out our webpage, feel free to give us a call at 262-691-3200. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. And remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a great day.